there's a decent chance that 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 jank is actually not the fault of the person doing the translating. <laughs> it's there was some kind of a process problem where oh, the person yeah. doing the translating couldn't get enough information about it. Uh, like one of the things we learned uh, was that apparently when they were doing the voice acting for Oblivion, the voice actors were given all of their lines in alphabetical order. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 406 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I do various things. I'm Sam and I'm the artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's March, March 11, 2020, mm. or 20 Jubilee. I almost uh, actually said the, the actual year. We, that's not allowed anymore. It's cursed. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. So if you have a, uh, you know, a small child around, um, make sure to get them closer to the radio so they can pick up some new words. Alternatively, get your <laughs> pearls on so you can clutch them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Put a, buckle your pearls. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is happening. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you very much for uh, letting us grab your money. All right. So some stuff happened. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Sam, did something happen? Did you? Yeah. I, uh, you know, went to, went on a drive with my wife. And then when I came back, there's, there's, there's another person in the car. You know? Oh my God. Like uh-huh. a murderer in the backseat. Uh, well. In some ways. In some I mean, ways. May- Sort of killing a past life, you know what I mean? Like just sort mm. of moving on into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we had a baby. We had a baby. Uh, Yay! Yeah, she, go. she came out. She she's came here. right she's out. She's a person now. And well, she's, she's working on becoming a person because it's just, you know, it's a process. She's sort of she's a, more like a tiny screaming raisin yeah, right she's now. sort of in a normal <laughs> state. She's very cute though, I will say. I'm very happy with that. She, she has gotten much yeah. cuter just like in the past because Dan had sent some pictures yesterday and I was like, hey, she's like, a hundred times less blodgy now. She's like becoming. Oh yeah, like, yeah. New thing about newborn babies is you know they've they've really been through the ringer. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. They, this is what they, I they, they got some recovery to do. <laughs> they've, been, they've been soaking in a sack of goo for just so long. Yeah. You know. Yeah, their head gets squeezed like an egg. Yep. Well, so you know, thick, so going the, on. the labor and everything went really well, and you know, Diana did fantastic. Uh, and it's been just killing the game as a new mom, which has been awesome to see. And we've been having a ton of fun. But the, like the labor process is one of the things where our family is like, we have a medical family. We you know, know some know some things. I've seen babies be born. I've seen some C-sections, et cetera. Um, but I kind of forgot one particular fact. And also the doctors didn't tell us this too, which is when the baby comes out, their head is basically a weird long oblong. Like they're like a Mayan <laughs> priest, okay? Come out and that head is just like reaching up to the sky, because on the way out, they basically, they're like, whatever, you know. Through a toothpaste tube. Yeah. This, this skull is basically liquid. Let's just, just let it sort of be whatever shape it needs to be to get out. And so they come out with this, like, just football head. And not like the movies, you know. In all of the shows or movies, like, that, that baby's, you know, a few months old, basically, when they throw it up on someone. So, uh, very funny, very startling. But also didn't somehow, despite like despite how weird that is to see like a very oblong head, uh, didn't really it didn't take away from the moment, just the shock of it in terms of being like you know Diane and I were just we were there and then they and Diane's pushing and then they hurl this creature up onto Diana's chest and we're like what? <laughs> uh, it was wild, totally wild. And you know we've been home now from the hospital for more than a week and uh, baby's doing great, Diana's doing great, everybody's doing great. 
Um, we got a lot of help at the house too, which has been awesome. So I think with all those things put together, we've actually been able to really enjoy it. And then yeah, I've not been working. This is like probably the, this will be the, the longest stretch of me being at the computer since since I left, basically. Uh, just doing a podcast recording for an hour or so. So it's been, I'm feeling very good about both how everything went and then also the amount of support we have and all that stuff has been allowing us to really actually enjoy ourselves, I think, um, despite the, the the chaos the chaos that enters your life when uh, when you got a newborn, which is like feeding a feeding a baby every two hours is wild. Just a wild mm-hmm. fact that you got to do that for a while until they start until they get big enough to you know have basically they don't have a big enough gut to hold enough food to last them for more than like two hours, which is a crazy thing. Also, you know, yeah. what I mean? like you know, just coincidentally, I was be happening synchronously to to get them to the point where you are not driven insane by the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it's it is funny crazy. that their gut isn't big enough, given that also their little bodies aren't big enough for their guts. So they all have those little pot bellies, you know, because they're yep. like, because they, yep. they have too many it's guts, been, but also too It's very funny. Now we're like, now uh, after the baby finishes feeding, then her gut is enormous. And it just looks absolutely hilarious. It's like, <laughs> you used to catch bullfrogs and I got that big sort of like floppy gut thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's basically looks like that. She looks like a bullfrog, you know, uh, gut in that case. Nice. Just hilarious and how, you know, she's kind of done, but, um, but yeah, it's been great. It's been super fun actually. And kind of, kind of loving it, kind of loving it to be honest, uh, which is what I was thinking was going to happen, but it's nice that it did. Cause that's one of those, like, can't go back. You yeah. Go back <laughs> um, yeah. You're locked in. Yeah. You're locked in. So yeah, we've been having a great time and, uh, yeah, well, and you got lucky with it's fun. her too, because she is. Like just a chill, but chill, baby. a chill baby. A yeah, chill you probably would be baby. having a lot worse time if she was just screaming constantly and you know all that. Oh stuff, yes, so. yes, yeah. that's sort of a fact, I think. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really good. So, so welcome, welcome to the world, baby. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, congrats. That's uh, it's been a long journey. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and I think this, you know, this it. I think it's especially impactful. Um, you know, for, for you and, and for everybody else involved, just because, you know, we had 10 years ago, we had the cancer diagnosis and, mm-hmm. uh, none of us really knew if we'd get this yeah. far, you know, know? If you're going to get there, you know? And I think, um, that's also one of the things that I think before going through all that stuff, I was still pretty medium on whether or not to have kids, but then it was when someone, when someone took the option away from me in that regard, especially put some of my boys on ice, you know, for later, yeah. um, <laughs> once I got diagnosed, which is good because I I got nothing at this point, you know. Chemo's mm-hmm. chemo burned me out, so yeah, all your stem cells um, are fried. Yeah, so I'm very lucky that I, that I you know did that. Um, as weird as it was at the time, but uh, yeah, it was one of those things. Once once someone kind of threatened to take it away, then I was like, you know, I do want. It makes you think about it, right? I do really want that actually. Um, and so, well, at least you want to, you know, you want to be able to decide. Yeah, you know, later, <laughs> having your yeah. choices taken away, I, I think, it, yeah, it does force you to really kind of reckon with what they mean to you. Yes, you know. Yeah. So, and we did, you know, we did have because of that. Then you have to, we had to go through IVF. Um, we did have a miscarriage last December, which I don't think I've really talked about too much on the podcast or really anywhere yeah, else. Definitely um, talk about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was, you know, for anyone who's ever gone through that, this it's just not a good time, as you might imagine. Um, another kind of a reset in an interesting way for us. But I think, I think having gone through that experience together with, you know, Diane and I made it so that where we were anxious on the first time and there's a lot of like, is this going to work? Is that going to work? Um, after that miscarriage, sort of like, I don't know, it somehow kind of reset our perspective on stuff. So, you know, when Diana was feeling some of her worst during the pregnancy and stuff, it was like, well, the reason you're feeling bad is because that baby's 
doing great, which is always because the baby's punching you on the inside. Exactly. <laughs> and like, that's awesome. You know, so good. Um, and so that always that took a bit of the edge off. And then I think uh, also having gone through that experience and realizing that you just don't have, you don't have a lot of control over how these things are going to go. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in there. And so both of us, I think we're a lot more relaxed for this whole pregnancy within, which was, has made the whole thing just a lot more enjoyable. Um, and then, yeah, having the baby out, like it, it just feels like we're kind of, we're just kind of cruising. We're in a good spot. Very, very thankful for everything. It's gone well, you know, um, cause, cause, cause we know what it's like for it to not go well, which is a, which is a different sort of a thing. So, um, you know, miscarriages aren't really talked about for some reason too much, um, even though they're extremely, extremely common for people. So, um, they're extremely common, but extremely, they're very hard, d- uh, painful. Yeah. yeah. So like people just, you can kind of intellectually look, look at the statistics, you know, and you can kind of know like, Oh, this happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you don't necessarily know whether it has happened to people you know or whatever because people don't you know you yeah. don't want to re- revisit that <laughs> absolutely, absolutely it's horrible uh yeah so, so. for anybody who's listening who's gone through there's you know working through it um it's a it's a thing that once you're once you're through it i think it adds a, a layer of useful even more buoyant perspective to um you know, pregnancy stuff and kids stuff going forward even if it's frankly one of the worst things it's, it's similar to like you know it's like the cancer stuff or whatever else any of, the, any of these traumas where if you manage to kind of wrangle it and get a get a hold of it get that post-traumatic growth going basically then i think it's a uh, in post then it all kind of shakes out you know yeah it's just not at all fun during so uh so yeah, yeah. i'm super thankful for where we've ended up and super happy baby Getting very fat. She got an extra neck roll as of this morning. As extra, it, she had already had one. She's this, got, well, this is the thing. It's, it's so weird because like you wouldn't. Th- I don't know. I was like, I didn't think you'd actually be able to see them changing in like literally a twenty-four hour window. But yesterday, I yesterday morning, I took care of her and then hung out with her a bunch and then uh, spent like part of the day basically like, planting some shrubs outside and doing some other stuff. Came back around like four maybe, and I was like, this baby's head is big. What happened? I was gone for like. <laughs> What is this? Like I, I could sense her head's bigger. And then like this morning, I came down and looked at her and I was like, she's got an extra neck roll. Like she's packing it on, you know, and her eyelashes are getting long. Like you could, I like feel like I'm, it's weird to see something change so fast. Well, I, I think it's day. that it's that everything is so tiny, right? That, a, that a, a thing that otherwise you would never notice on another person is like a huge deal, right? Because like if, if she gains like a tenth of a pound. You know, oh, yeah. Then you can you can tell, right? Her, yeah, right? Her, but like you like you, you yourself, you're probably going up up and down two pounds throughout yeah. the course of the day. Yeah, but that's like twenty percent of her body. Weight. She's yeah, in that yeah. phase where her her whole biological system is designed to be like she was one cell nine months ago, which is yeah. Crazy. She's working pretty hard. She's doing great, you know. Yeah, yeah she's really like, putting in the putting in the those reps. Like if anything, her her now her changes are like remarkably slow, you know, because that is fair. Because like, I think it's a last. Last night then when I went to see uh to hang out with her and I was like, What happens baby's forearm? She's got a new she's getting that Michelin man mid forearm crease. Yeah, yeah. And, and pretty soon like, it'll look like all of her body parts are just stuck together like Legos. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, she's really she's really packing it on. Do you know what uh, her caloric intake is? Because uh, it was one of the funny things when we got uh when we had our last when we added some kittens to our household, because we have this old cat and some kittens, right? And I assume this is true for Human babies also, but I'm curious what the actual numbers are because we had to feed this. We had tiny kittens that were like a third the size of our adult cat, right? But they had to eat four times as many calories, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, like <laughs> net, like by body weight, like the 
the pound per pallet caloric intake was just this, it was like literally like a 10 X kind of a thing, you know? Oh, I'm sure um, it's just, it's just, they're like a little fucking engine. So I'm curious what like well, a baby's like, so she went caloric from, intake so, is. Yeah. So babies, when they come out, will typically lose, they'll lose a, pers- a certain percent of their uh, body weight for the first couple of days, basically. Cause like they don't know how to eat essentially. And they got to figure that shit out. And it just kind of takes a while to get them to start actually gaining weight again. So even though you might have a baby, so, so, uh, baby's name is Mava. So Mava came out at seven pounds, nine ounces, right? Over the course of the following two days, and then she drops, uh, I think like down to, she basically dropped like 9% of her body weight total, right? Which is well within the usual range. And everyone's like, cool, whatever. It'll fix itself. And then the goal is basically get it back up to body weight within 10, 14 days or so, two weeks, right? And we was weird about that. So, so Mava got it back up to seven pounds, nine ounces in uh, like six or seven days. So very fast. But again, what's weird about that is like that total amount of weight. It's like, a again, if you just lost 10% of your bot, of your weight in a couple of days and then put it back on yeah, in a couple of days, it's, like, it's just wild. Wow. Where is it going? You know, but I guess I, it's going to those fat rolls. That's where it's I going. Did a, I just did a quick Google search just to get a sense. So uh, something like for the first few months, 500 calories per day is what mm-hmm. a baby eats, which is... A Insane quarter of what a human adult. Yeah. So a baby yeah. weighs like one eighteenth or one fifteenth of what I weigh, mm-hmm. but eats like. But eats a quarter, a quarter of the calories. A quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, that would, yeah. That would be like me. Yeah. That would be like me eating like six Big Macs per meal. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know what the sad part is about this though? Mm. It's kind of like, because like as you get older and older, your caloric intake just keeps going down, yeah. right? Uh, in a sad way, it's kind of like your body's like, look, we're done here, you know? Yeah. Like, we don't have anything that we're really working toward anymore. We don't need to grow, you know? We don't really need that much energy. It's like a maintenance routine, basically. We're, yeah, we're done, yeah, yeah, we're just, barely we're even just, need to maintain anymore, frankly. Mm-hmm. We're just done. Yeah, and in fact, we're not gonna. Yeah. You know, we're just- <laughs> I think it's the web that was really like how- how weirdly efficient your body actually is when it comes to that food stuff, right? Like the fact that you who weigh like what, 170, 180 or something, like you only have Mm -hmm. to eat, like you probably could just eat a Big Mac every day and you'd stay roughly the same shape for a very long time. You know what I mean? Which yeah, it's seems crazy. weird because it's yeah, and, and I have thought about how like how it's interesting that you know what we do is we we eat other living things. It's always living things. You, so you can't just like you can't just yeah. like eat a rock. You know, like you got to eat something else that was alive, a plant or an animal or something. I guess those are the two primary categories. <laughs> fungus, <laughs> plant or animal, maybe fun- some third. Get, get that maybe fungus. fungus. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. You got to eat something that's alive. You know, and then and then it, uh, your your chemistry kind of like it turns that into into energy that you can use or it stores it somehow. Which sounds really cool, and it sounds very uh, efficient and stuff, right? And I, I sometimes I would think like, oh, it'd be so interesting if you could make like a robot or something that like could eat something, right? But then it's like, but then you'd have robots shitting. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, because because there actually there actually is a lot of stuff that we eat that actually doesn't end okay. up. Um, you know, being absorbed or, you know, like as you're like through the byproduct of all the chemical processes in your body, you know, you're producing all this waste, right? Actually, I do want to talk about poop for a moment because not even poop. There's, here's, so here's the thing. Everyone wants to, you know, they're like, get ready to deal with, like your life starts revolving around, you know, poop essentially once you have a kid, mm-hmm. right? Um, one thing I did not know about that somehow I, you know, I read a few books about what to expect, etc. cetera. Uh, I did, I had no idea. This is not on my radar. So I'm going to put this out there for anybody who's having a kid or 
uh, thinking about in the future, which is that- Or if you have had it and you've seen this- You know what I'm talking about. And you knew, and commiserate. There is a substance called myconium, okay? Mm-hmm. This sounds like a very, I don't know, this sounds like a mineral and like a far sci-fi sort of thing that people be warring over, right? But Mycodium. it's not, though. It's not, though. It's a, <laughs> it's a, the closest thing I can, I can put to it is if you imagine what demonic ichor that you maybe have heard about in fantasy novels, or the, the concept of it, ichor, would be like, to me, myconium is that. And what it actually is, is when it maybe comes out, maybe its digestive system hasn't done a damn thing while it's been in the womb, right? There's nothing to, nothing to do, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just getting straight through the blood. Yeah. So in their, inte- in their whole digestive system, in their intestinal tract, they have this very weird substance called myconium, which... Uh, has the like texture of tar. I'm not even kidding. It has the texture of like tar. So basically, so you're saying like the baby poops this out. It poops. It's almost but like it's a, not. But it's not necessarily poop. It's not poop. It is not poop because it yeah. doesn't. It didn't smell like anything at yeah. all. And it's it's like, just some kind of weird demon goo. It's been the reason. It's <laughs> yeah, is poop that comes shit later. It's green. It's green. And I'm not talking like low key, like a little bit of you know a weird poop green. I mean like. Fucking green, okay? And this was very freaky because, you know, one of the first things they do is they hurl this baby out onto Dan's chest. You do skin-to-skin contact with the mom for a bit. And then nowadays they also do skin-to-skin contact with the dad. So they're like, here's this baby. So she picks up the baby and the baby has already done some of this, like, get rid of this myconium stuff. So they kind of wipe up Diana. They barely wipe up the baby. I could see I could see the green stuff on her feet, okay? <laughs> and they're like, whatever, fuck it. And they just throw this baby on me. And I'm also like, whatever, fuck it, this is amazing. So uh, I'm just sitting here hanging out with this baby. And then when I get up 20 minutes later, I am I am coated. From, Covered in coated. tar. <laughs> from, from the nipple down to the to the waistline and just like down my forearm in ichor in tar. <laughs> and like I had a, I went to the bathroom. I went through like, you know, they have those little just like shitty hospital cloths or whatever you wipe your stuff down with. I went through like seven of them try, and I'm like turning beet red because I'm scrubbing my skin so hard to try to get this demonic force off of it. And it was, it was nothing <laughs> that anybody had said anything about. No, I had never heard of this. It's what, I, I've, I've heard of the idea that like the, the first time the, the baby poops is like very weird and crazy and it's not what you would expect. Like that's kind of like, that's the most that I kind of knew about it, that it wasn't normal. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> there's something about that, but I didn't know that, you know, the specifics of why or yeah. what that even means. It insane. And then yeah. it just keeps coming out for a few days while they're kind of, you know, working their stuff. It basically you transition into like actual. Yeah. But, yeah it's it's it goes weird. through a few phases, right? Cause then it turns into like milk poop, which is a different kind of a thing. And then later on yeah. it turns into food poop, which is yeah. the milk worst. Milk poop is fine. One. Milk yeah. poop is, it looks like a uh, sort of, I would say it looks like turmeric basically, like wet turmeric. Yeah. It's just sort of like a, it's like a golden poo. I don't even know. Yeah, once, <laughs> once it's <laughs> once it's food yeah. poop, then it's just like that's any other time. person's poop, and then now, now nobody's having a good time because yes, yeah, I'm not yeah, just kind of coincidentally, I was I was listening to some podcast uh, like a week ago, and they were talking, you know, these people talking about um, trying to understand uh, like human brains and intelligence and stuff like that, and they were talking about about how, how interesting it is if you look at kind of how certain animals, uh, infants, what, and what they're capable of when they're first mm-hmm. born, right? It's like if, you, if you're a sort of a, a, a prey animal, like a, like a zebra or something, right? Then like they're born and then they just fucking stand right up and they're like, let's run. go. I'm yep. part of the herd. <laughs> um, and so 
but but I think the the uh, the theory is that like so humans we actually have a big problem which is our giant heads and brains mm-hmm. like our big our big ass brain is kind of the thing that lets us be humans mm-hmm. compared to like any other thing and that's caused all kinds of problems like you know our wisdom teeth don't have enough space anymore it's like we have all kinds of dental problems because our brains got too big right um, and. And there's this idea that like human babies are born actually dramatically premature Mm -hmm. because they have to be. They're still fetuses. Because their heads are so big. Yeah. yeah. So like what we think of as like a baby is actually still pretty – yeah, it's pretty much a fetus. It's just out in the world. Now kind of like how like a kangaroo will have like a A a baby, like like throw it back into the pouch and like let it keep – continue baking. that was one of the wild ones. We did – Diane and I were looking at other animals. You know, as we're looking at various baby things and kangaroos, I don't know if you actually know how that shit works, but it's they, wild. yeah, it's if you watch videos it's like blow your mind because basically that baby kangaroo is birthed at like it's like two inches long yeah, and it's it an looks, external fetus the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You think a baby is like an f- external fetus? I mean, this is truly it's like an external embryo. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, marsupials in general just do like most of their fetal growth in, in the, the pouch. pouch. Yeah, yeah, but it it comes yeah. out and then it, it climbs yeah, through little, little climby pink grub. Blob. <laughs> yeah, through <laughs> the mom's fur and then like dunks itself into the the pocket and then grabs it a nipple <laughs> and that's like how it does its thing. But that it is deaf and blind. It's just like it's yeah, a but, weird but in a lot grub. of ways. You know, it's it to me. It's kind of similar to a human baby in the sense that, like, human babies, uh, they can't speak for years, even right, mm-hmm. and like they can't really understand. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, they're they're developing the capacity to understand words and stuff, but and their their vision only goes like their focal point only goes so far. You know, they can't walk. They can't they they can't really do much of anything. Um, but they they had to get out because otherwise, you know, if they kept growing for like another it's year in there, yep, know, yep, yep. it would not work out, right? And so you kind of like you got to get them out, and then and it's also why you know your memories don't really start until years after you're born because you were still kind of a fetus, you know. You don't it, have like the capacity, like yeah, long yeah. long term memory development from like developmental psychology stuff really starts coming along around the age of like seven and you got some like sprinkling of you know episodic stuff here and there but like you do you just don't have like your, yeah your brain is just not done it's not yeah you're not born running you know what i mean in any sort of way um but i think what's also funny about that is you are born very cute and not even necessarily like i guess in the immediate sense newborns are usually pretty weird looking yeah not, not very, immediately again but. like the weird head shape is very <laughs> but uh but very quickly you become very cute. And so I think it's one of those things where it's like you sort of trade this like, yeah, you can't run, but you can be cute. And apparently that's good enough, that's you know a, what I mean? For this. I mean, that survival tactic has worked for many other animals too. Great. You know, like I, it's like why I have two dogs, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and that, you know, your pit bull is just like your head is so good. Just this giant, giant head. Cannonball head. And you're just like, I love it. I just love yeah, this down. Give, so good. Just want to scratch this head. Mm-hmm. So good. All right. Well, I mean, big congrats, Sam. That's uh, a you've you've been through the ringer trying to make this happen, and uh, we did it. You know, I'm proud it's of you guys well. for 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 doing all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that that it's something that I do not currently have the confidence that I would be able to <laughs> manage. So- <laughs> It is, it is a lot. It is crazy. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, and I think I think to that end, you know, uh, big thanks also to to our both my family and Diana's family for um, just helping out because we got we got both moms on staff currently hanging out with us. Uh, you mean grandmas staff. now? That's true. Mm-hmm. Both grandmas. Um, 
we were yeah, they're pretty pumped. They're pretty pumped about that yeah. title. Yeah, we were calling them the mom <laughs> squad before, but I guess the grandma squad probably more appropriate. Uh, and the dads are visiting this week too, and so um, it's kind of an all hands on deck thing, especially for the first the first few weeks. It's just wild. I mean, baby also randomly will go through these growth spurts where, like last night, she just ate every hour, every hour. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like eight hours straight, of course, in the middle of the night, because why not? And so it's the best time. It just just happens. You'll get a really good routine going, and the baby's like, it's time for me to super saiyan, you know, become Goku, hold a spirit ball up for like three days or something crazy. And that's just kind of how you got to do it. In her mind, you guys are the weird ones because, like, she's never even heard of the concept of day and night until just like a week ago. That's fair. So she's like, I thought it was just dark and cramped i thought that's just what life was you know mm-hmm. turns out there's light i don't know why yeah, do i have to adjust my this? schedule around this crap <laughs> <laughs> well just wait daylight savings is like today so you know oh yeah uh, yeah or tonight well you know we always have our our uh by is it biannual twice a year yep rant about how stupid daylight savings time is so we'll just say it's stupid it's yeah. stupid biannual <laughs> could be every two years though you know so it's it could be. I don't actually. I think biweekly no. and biannual are just those are terms just semi cross off the list. Semi-annual, semi-annual. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's talk about. Uh, let's, all right, so we want to get out some questions, yep. but first we just want to kind of put a pin in the fact that that there's a bank run apparently happening in San Francisco uh, or Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank. Mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, SVB. Yeah. SVB. Uh, don't don't know all the specifics of that they could just start it happening. Um, I do know I, I will kind of say a little bit about just the concept of a bank run and what it, yeah, what does this kind mean? of what it means? Um, all right, so so the thing about banks is that they don't actually have your money. Mm-hmm. okay they've, which they've lent it out. Yeah. so in a in a kind of a if you think about it this way, let's say like Adam, Sam and I, let's say the three of us are we're the whole economy. Perfect. Okay, it's just the three of us, and I've got a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm like, ooh, I want to save this, and you know, blah blah blah. So I go to the bank, I put my hundred dollars in the bank. Um, well, the bank they make their money by loaning my money out to other people. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only way that they really make money or is by take the money other things that somehow give the money later, right? Yeah, but what money. do they buy it with? Yeah, your money. Yep. Your money, right? <laughs> right. It's like the bank doesn't have money. They have everybody else's money. So the bank has my $100 and uh, and then Sam is like, I want to uh, I want to buy a really nice popsicle. Yep. Okay. I have a I have a new business idea where I buy a popsicle and eat it, but it's yep. a really expensive one and I need I need like 50 bucks. Yep. Okay. So Sam goes to the bank and they he, he fills out a loan application and they give him 50 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. So so Sam has 50 bucks. If I go to the bank and I ask how much money's in my account, they'll say $100, mm-hmm. right? Because they're they're just playing a shell game. They're just moving stuff around. They're they're just so Sam, they're just a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So Sam wants to buy his popsicle. Well, where's he going to buy it from? He's going to buy it from Adam, the popsicle salesman. I'm the right? popsicle man. So <laughs> Sam is like, "Hey, is he going to back alley?" And Sam's like, "Hey, I heard you got the best fucking popsicles." Yeah, and I like open my, I open my trench coat and I've got these. Like, and it's just sopping just, wet yeah. with melted yeah. popsicles. And I'm like, "I'll take I'll take the least melted one you got." Yeah. And so so Sam buys the popsicle from Adam. They exchange, and Adam gets fifty bucks. And then Adam is holding his fifty dollars, and he's like, "Oh my god, I I got to put this in the bank." 
you know, this is my money. I don't want to just be carrying around all this money. Mm-hmm. So Adam goes to the bank, puts his $50 in, right? So so there was a there is a hundred dollars in this economy, period, right? Yep. But the bank now has a hundred and fifty dollars worth of deposits. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if Adam and I both went to the bank at this on the same day and we said, Hey, I we want to withdraw all of our money, the yeah, bank would say yeah. Sorry, we don't, we don't have it <laughs> because only one of us can get our money out because there actually isn't that much money. Mm-hmm. And, th- and this this concept kind of works in a whole bunch of dimensions in the economy of like how how uh, credit cards work and all this stuff. You know, the entire economy is built on this thing called a money multiplier, which is that for every for every actual physical dollar that is added to the economy, every paper dollar, there's actually something like 10 times as much money gets produced from it. In the form of these loans or the form of debts, basically. Because as the money moves around uh, like that, then you have this kind of multiplication effect going on. And so the scale of that multiplier is totally dependent on the laws that dictate how much banks have to keep in reserve. So, so if uh, if a if a bank has uh, a ten percent reserve rule, then that means that that they can only loan out so much money, such that they always have at least ten percent of it still on hand, you know, mm-hmm. as as actual physical cash. Still, though. That means that no matter what, like even if it was like a 90% requirement, right? Yeah. It still means that they don't actually have everybody's money on hand at once. It's basically right? in order to get the value and the usefulness out of something like you know these loans or financing. Basically, someone being able to come up and say, hey, I don't have money. And I would like some money to see if I can get more money with it. In the same way that a bank's doing almost. You yep. have to determine what that risk, essentially what that risk limit is for something like a bank, right? And then it is just a case that if everybody happens to pull their money out, essentially under any scenario, then even if you had like, like you said, even if it was a, just a 10% thing or, or even a 90%, like say they had to hold 90% of the money, you know, if both of you went in, someone's going to lose a chunk of their change. Yeah. Just, a bank know. run is just when more people are trying to take more money out than the bank actually has on hand. Yes. Right. Yes. So then- And just um, how likely it is to happen depends on that proportion. It depends on how freaked out people are because the more freaked yeah, out yeah. they get, the more likely they take the money. And then the thing that freaks them out is the sense that the money isn't going to be there, right? Which, Which means- Everybody starts piling in. It's already like- it turns a scenario that's already fragile. It basically guarantees that the whole thing collapses, which, and actually that's what happened. So as in like, Seth, you're saying like, oh yeah, well like the run, it's literally done now. Like it was a 30 hour fucking yes. window where this started for this SVB bank, which is, it's like, it has, it has like $150 billion in, in uh, people's money. Right. And again, it doesn't have it. Well, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have the problem, <laughs> but it has it like, People believe that it has that much money on them, yeah. right? And, and basically what they did is they, is they put a huge fraction of it into some kind of a some kind of an asset that depended on the fact that interest rates from the government were really right. low, which is rapidly becoming less true. And so then they were trying to be – they were like, oh, no, what do we do with this money now to try to offset this problem, right? And then they basically put out some notices to investors and they, they did a bad job of those. That freaked people out. So then the investors started to like their stock price started to go down. So then, and this is all like Silicon Valley Bank, right? So it's it's people who are so fucking focused on money stuff, right? Capital. And so basically everybody got spooked a few times in a row over the course of like a day. 
Yep. And all of a sudden the stock price plummeted and all of a sudden everybody's like, hey, get your money out of SVB because it looks like it's going to be a problem, right? But the amount of money that everybody has in there is enormous because it's all of these and, you know, like it's like Roblox like has its money, yeah. has a has hundred yeah. million dollars in there, right? And like this kind of stuff, right? So all of a sudden people are just yanking out enormous sums of money. And the more they do that, the closer you're getting to the bank not having any money, Right. And so mm-hmm. everybody's panicking more. And yeah, within literally a 30 hour window, there was like the first inkling of like, oh no. And now the FDIC has taken over that bank. Yeah. It's gone. So then what is the FDIC yeah. bank is gone this? already. Yeah. Well, this is a good question. Like, what, where, what happens to like maybe a regular person in these contexts usually? And it's like the reason the FDIC is so useful is because you might see if you ever have been in a physical bank, which maybe people haven't been for a long time because, you know, COVID stuff, but um, you do everything digitally for the most part. But there's these little plaques usually that you'll see like on the bank tellers, um, like right up, right up next to the window or whatever else, where it just says like FDIC insured. Or if you see your yep. accounts for Bank of America, whatever else might say FDIC insured. Uh, the government basically says, okay, for for account holders, we, we are insuring up to $250,000 of your money. We're basically saying that you won't lose that money in the event of a bank run. At this institution, yep. because the and government, you will, the you government will says, we'll take taxpayer money. Right. And we we'll basically will. take money that you put in the system and maybe your neighbors do too. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll fill re- you back yeah, up. We'll redistribute least, it while the bankers run off with their hundred million dollars. in bonuses. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least up to that, that amount. Right. Um, now the thing is that, that that's not just cause you have your money in a bank. That's not necessarily the, it's not necessarily the case that the FDIC is insuring every account. Right. So in the case of this, uh, Silicon Valley bank situation too, I believe it was the case that. I, mean, I think you said like 93% of the total yeah. value. Yeah, the vast majority. And again, it's because it's because all the accounts are huge, right? Because you actually can't, you, you can't. cannot get insurance for huge sums true. of money because, which is, I mean, I think reasonable is you shouldn't be able to insure, put it because yeah. like the way that insurance comes is again, it's from the government. So it's basically putting taxpayers on the hook for, if you're yes. a, a huge company and you put a hundred million dollars into one bank and then that bank itself does a bunch of risky stuff and the whole thing collapses. Like there's a reason why we have FDIC and all this stuff in the first place, which is, and this all comes from like the 1930s and stuff, right? When yeah. we didn't have this stuff and like the amount of the last chaos twenties. was enormous, <laughs> right? And so like, so this is really good for like your just normal person. Like it's sufficient because most people do not, the vast majority of people, so most people don't have come a quarter million dollars close. of cash. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and even if and even if you do have a lot of money, you can you can like set up multiple accounts at multiple banks, and like there's all kinds of ways you can actually get that number like quite a bit up. But you can't get it to a hundred million dollars. That's not no. that's not happening. And so because the amounts of money that were in this bank were these just relatively small numbers of relatively enormous accounts, right? Then the vast majority of that money is just uninsured money, which yeah, means so it's kind it's of like technically you know, just gone unless the government comes in and says, hey. Special exception. We're going to use taxpayer money anyway, right? But there's and there's literally like there, again, it's a hundred and something billion dollars of money that's now gone, right? So if the government yeah. does decide to come in and actually like try to rescue all of the out. people whose money was in there and like pay it back out, right? That means basically like <laughs> it's the equivalent of like more money than the, our government spends on almost anything good, right? Is then we'll suddenly have to get paid out because this bank collapsed. So it's uh it's wild. Yeah. Well, it, this I think there have been a lot of moments in my life where I've kind of like learned about how something in the world works, and I kind of step back and I'm like, seriously though, yeah, like it's so dumb. It, <laughs> it's it, just so dumb. And this is one of them. It, it's it, or or inflation is another example where it's kind of like so many things about 
about what we view as kind of like a very stable, you know, modern economy, a modern society. Um, they they can they only keep going so long as nobody looks too hard at them mm-hmm. and nobody panics, right? So like inflation is another thing where um, if people think that inflation is going to be 15%, right, then they make a whole bunch of different decisions about what to do with their money. It's better right? to spend so your money, generally. Yeah, yeah, so you're like, oh shit, I don't want I don't want to just have cash. I got to like buy some stuff, right? And so people buy stuff and as the demand for stuff goes up, the price, goes the price up. of things go up, right? <laughs> and then if you're like, oh god, the inflation's going to be really high, you're going to go to your employer and and ask for a raise and, you know, to match the expected inflation. And then you're going to have more money, but you don't want to hold the money because inflation. So you buy stuff. All these these things going well essentially amounts to requiring a large amount of psychological safety somehow being communicated Mm -hmm. amongst everyone. And a lot of regulation of all of the systems involved to prevent things from suddenly changing or to prevent things from being so fragile that – a little bump can cause the whole thing to, you know, domino style collapse because, yeah. Well, and, yeah. I mean, that's what happened in yeah. all of our different crises in like 2008 and yep. then more recently, right? Yeah. And there's always, there's always people who are able to kind of find uh, cracks in the system and like get a crowbar in there and start prying it open and like squeeze a bunch of money out of it, right? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild that, you know, humans are very slippery and I don't think you can actually like safely regulate stuff like this. No, you can't. Uh, no, but, but I think we have like this active push towards deregulating it further, right? So, and cause like yeah, the reason that we've had like, the collapses that we have had to the extent that we've had them is basically because of, because of how loose things have been made, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. Like we haven't had a case that I know of where overregulation was the cause of a disaster, economic or otherwise, right? Yeah. Um, well, I think I think the uh, the on the flip side, kind of what happens if you overregulate something is kind of nothing happens. Yeah. Right. Because it's, sort of it's like if it becomes too hard to just do stuff, then people just stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got you got a, a lot fewer people do stuff. Yeah. Right? But yeah. But people are so like terrified of like, oh no, what if. And anyway, it's, it's because of the obsession with growth, right? Because the way that the, the whole system has to work yeah. is as a Ponzi scheme. Like, li- like literally it requires like, and, you know, we call Ponzi schemes like the actual Ponzi scheme, like bad. But it works the same way the whole fucking economy works, right? It's just, it's not hiding behind any like, oh, this is how we've always done it though, kind of like things, right? Um, and, and it actually, because like, because the fact that, like, the fact that people don't know that, like the average person does not know that the bank doesn't have your money actually, right? In the same way that like under a Ponzi scheme, like by the definition of the term, an investor doesn't know. They also don't have your money. (laughs) They don't have your money. But it's still the same fucking thing, right? Uh, And like the whole system depends on this. It requires, Mm -hmm. it requires growth for that to work. So like, yeah. And trust, right? And trust. Yeah, well, and and we've all kind of agreed that, and and, you know, mathematically, uh, if you want to, for example, be able to get loans, right? Mm -hmm. Then- Sort of by definition, this is kind of how it has has to work, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, you're, you're right. That like people get overly freaked out about the idea of regulating things because like you know it's going to be too hard for anybody to do anything. It's like oh, it's you gotta. It it, it reminds me a lot of when we talk about uh, security practices, right? Yeah. Where it's like you know you'll have a, a website that'll be like, oh yeah, you've got to change your password every six months. And like, mm-hmm. what do people do? Well, they just like put a one at the end of their password. Mm-hmm. And then the next time they put a two at the end of their password. 
And so you'll you'll put these kinds of things in place that uh, people just kind of like view it as an annoyance, and then they don't they don't participate in like the rationale behind the thing. Um, and it actually makes in some cases you can make things uh, yeah, less secure. less secure or worse than you than what your intent was because you didn't plan out the the regulatory concept well enough. Yeah. So there's like there's always this balance to walk, and like you need to have these protections in place. Um, but you also need need them to be loose enough that people can still do stuff, and at, you know, no matter what you do, you're gonna have moments like this, right? Yeah. Where like question of like what's you, your what's your margin for error or for like for, for shit hitting the fan, right? And how do you how do you keep that? How do you get that as low as possible while still preserving the upside? Like financing has a tremendous upside to it. Like there's no yeah. not really a doubt about that. But yeah, that's how, how make, people get their homes with mortgages. Yeah. But and how, stuff how like do you that, make it you know? so that that tremendous upside doesn't? have like i don't know a routine crash every 10 years you know it'd be nice um, oh there certainly will be one and you just have to think about the cost benefit you know <laughs> just like in the aggregate uh who you know what's what's the loss what's the gain overall and where are the losses yes. and gains yeah. um who, who gets hit by them and and who doesn't you know and so yes yeah, so uh, it's is, all this, pretty weird and this is all very early again like this just happened i think like yesterday so um yeah, the big question because yeah, because yeah, it propagated through like the rest of the banking and finance sector, where like everyone's stocks went down a bit, mm-hmm. and, like you know, and all that. Kind of, so because it basically panicked every because like as soon as that happens once, everybody starts to panic. And so the the like the core problem with the bank run is that the whole fucking system is really fragile, right? And as Seth said, there's way less money that you've put into that system uh, than you can get back out at, at, at quickly. Yeah, it's like a, a in a moment, in yeah, a moment, in yeah. and so. As people panic, then they start to exacerbate the problem. So as long – and this, this is actually why it's like – the reason this all happened in a 30-hour span and the FDIC already just took over and now owns that – just has that bank now, right? Is <laughs> because like the FDIC works over weekends when these things happen, right? Because – and they, they like – they solve every bank collapse, which are really rare these days, right? Mm-hmm. But they solve every single one within like a few days, right? And the reason is because if they, they do don't – fuck around. If they don't – the dominoes start going and they don't stop until everyone's trying to pull their money out and all the money is gone, all the banks have collapsed and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, so they so they work really fast and they did, right? And we'll see what comes next, right? Um, but I, I, I don't know. My, my, my opinion on this whole thing is that like the reason that all this stuff is so fragile is not just by design because it is, but like, like you're saying, like a lot of this is necessary for the way that we've designed our whole social and economic yeah. system, right? Yeah. Like we have to have something like these systems. But if people just didn't have this much money, if that gulf wasn't so huge, right? Because it's, the problem is like you can't insure somebody's got a billion dollars, right? <laughs> but if the yes. person loses a billion dollars, they, they put that money like – in all these different places where now all those other places that say they have that billion dollars that they don't actually have have used it to do something, right? And so like the dominoes start to not, fall with a small number of – yeah, it's just not distributed well. So that a small – because like, the reason that so much money is in here and so much of his own insured all that kind of stuff is because it's all Silicon Valley it's investors throwing things. huge amounts of money at startup companies, right? And if nobody had that much, that insane amount of money, then you wouldn't have this fragile of a system. Like it's really, it's really expensive to humanity to prop up billionaires, right? Like it's incredibly expensive and dangerous for these people to just exist because they make all of these systems extremely fragile. No, what's the saying? It's like, if you owe the bank a thousand dollars, that's your problem. If you owe the bank a, a billion dollars, that's their problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, that's exactly so, right. 
there are certain amounts of money where, you know, it's just not collectible and it's not enforceable. And there's just, there's nothing, there's no institution big enough that could come in and like eat that, do and do anything about the fact that you have a billion dollars and don't want to give it back to somebody mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or can't or whatever. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty wild. Some, some things, I guess, moral of the story, some things don't scale that well. Yep. Um, yep. And this is one of those times. So, all right. Well, I think we got time for maybe a question. Depends on uh, Sam. Sam has your. Do you hear any baby sounds? Do you hear any? I hear no screams. No screams. So we're, we're, we're no screams. We're safe for now. Yeah. Give it a shot. I would also say if I was hearing screams um, in the other room, I would also be like, I should probably. We should probably I was going to say this that's actually, uh, <laughs> that's far more dangerous. That's you kind of horrifying, screams. actually. Yeah, definitely. If I anyway. just started hearing screams from somewhere else in the house, but I'm alone, <laughs> so that's <laughs> would be weird. That's way worse. Myself out. Yeah, that's yeah. way worse. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, question comes from John Flavin, who says, what's your opinion on jokey pun sequel names? And would you ever use one in a game? Can we expect a Crashlands 2, T-O-O, as in also, which features multiplayer or something? Or Crashlands, Crashlands 2, T-O, as in you're going somewhere, <laughs> I guess? Uh Somewhere in the far future, we'll we get the third installment in the series, Crashlands 3D, which is, of course, built in a full 3D engine. Mm-hmm. We, we have talked about that. Yeah, given our humor, you would not be surprised yeah, that every single one of these plus a thousand related ones have already yeah. come up. As, as, oh, I think it, that, would probably, it would probably be like Crashlands 3, and then there'd be like a tiny little D yep. like next to the 3 or something. <laughs> yeah, I think that the challenge always comes down to a searchability. Yeah, it's, a market, like it's always a marketing yeah. problem. Because if someone goes and looks for Crashlands 2, like the fuzziness of these algorithms is not such – if I type Crashlands 2 into Steam with a, with a 2 – but it's actually T O O number two. Yeah, yeah. It's there's no fuzziness on that second word that'll get you the, you know what I mean? Like there's that, that makes it really hard to actually find stuff. So that's, that's the only reason why we haven't done it because we had a bunch of really dumb good sequel names that were basically these. I think the other one was Crashlands Two Subtitle. Yeah, that was that mm-hmm. was yeah when we when we had kind of a different Subtitle. overall picture of the yep. story and stuff, um, mm-hmm. which which was S U B. T-I-D-A-L, yeah, yeah, as beneath the tides, yeah. you know, as in like- It's going to be kind of like a quadruplus, like there was like kind of a mm-hmm. vibe going on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But really, the, the only reason the story was going to go that way was because the pun was- Yeah, because the title was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because we were talking about like, what would the subtitle be for Crashlands the mm-hmm. sequel? Yep. And we're like, subtitle. <laughs> Let's go into the ocean. Let's go. So um, I do want to put that one on reserve. And then the Crashlands 3D- or if it's three and then the the sub the subtitle of it starts with a D, such that at least from an abbreviation standpoint, we could still claim that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I, I yeah, I mean I, I want to reserve all of these because they're just dumb and great, but it's also hard to invest, you know, I don't know, millions of dollars into making a thing where you're like, is this pun gonna cause a search and are we being too cute? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. for our own good. There's a there's a whole this is why we can't have nice things. There's there's like there's always that angle on everything that yeah. happens. Or you know, dumb right? things in this case, you know. Yeah. Nice is maybe I mean nice, you know, is like just something you want. You know, I want I want everything to be dumb puns because that yep. makes life worth living. You it know? does. It really does. But search engines and are d- like, dumb things are dumb things. Then require like if we make the thing dumb, then we're kind of like offloading the smartness onto other people. Like other people That's have true. to be smart enough to figure out that it's purposely dumb and why it's dumb. You know, <laughs> so in some cases we have to just make things boring and 
and what you would expect yep. is what I mean by that. Yeah. Uh, so I, that people can find them. Yeah. You know? I also like the idea of crash lands and then an ellipsis and then again. But I think you know that's a, it's similarly. It's like is it two or is this a <laughs> um, remaster? Yeah. I somebody says I want to play Crashlands again. Exactly. Yeah, you can't talk you, about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> It's already it's hard to much. say. I want to play Crashlands too. It's like, oh, you're is that because I'm playing Crashlands? Yep. You know, is yep. that is that why you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Saying? I mean, this this problem exists, you know, in English, um, which you know, this is, we did we did uh, we started to uh, do some some planning and stuff about localization, and we're we're meeting with some some people to uh, start to triangulate what we need to be doing with all that stuff, and um, it is always kind of interesting to hear perspectives on, you know, people who are translating things in other languages and they have to be super sharp about these things because they'll mm-hmm. sort of like pick up on a, on a pun or a joke that we made that legit, like it only makes sense in English yeah, puns or in some cases it only makes sense in, in the U S you know, because oh, yeah. of some cultural reference or something. Yeah. Puns yeah. are not. Or just the Midwest, <laughs> you know, or yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. not translatable so, directly. You know what I mean? It's not going to make yeah. any sense. And so that like what a, what a translator will do is they got to be real sharp because they'll basically they basically need to first of all recognize that recognize the joke they have to get kind of the the cultural context or kind of like the why it's funny you know the overall and yeah, why is this funny right and then they've got to kind of but not but but it's two levels though. it's not just why is this funny like literally like why is this pod funny or whatever but also why is this funny in the context of the whole like the big picture like doesn't need to be funny you know, like, right, right, right. yeah. Does there have to be a joke here? Yeah. Or can I? And, can if, I, and if there does, like, what is the goal of the joke actually? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, let's say you got like two characters talking, and and at one point in the conversation, a character like says something funny, uh, you know, about about their pet dog or something, right? And it's like, as the, the translator's looking at that, and like, okay, well, clearly this is like a lighthearted conversation that has a joke in it, right? Is it okay if if the joke is in a completely different place and about a completely different thing. Right. So long as the conversation overall is is lighthearted and funny, or do we have to preserve that exact joke yeah. somehow? And then even if, if that's the case, know? then like now you got to just come up with you just come up with a different entire pun in the other language, mm-hmm. which just means it's going to be a different thing entirely. You know what I mean? Like it's just not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> there's no yeah, such thing you know, as direct translation, right? It's just yeah. not. not yeah, and it, which is why we call it localization because it's it's making the game local to mm-hmm. some other place. It's not just about like change the words, right? Because yeah. there's, there's cultural context that has to be built. Like if you think making a game is hard, like try translating one, <laughs> try localizing one. <laughs> And also, I can see why that, for people who are into it, why it would be very fun. Look, in terms of like, it's, oh, it's be a great such a, like an intellectual puzzle to try to figure out yeah. how to like convert that stuff, you know, if, but you have to be into it because you're not into it. That's way too hard to try to make yeah. yourself. Well, but on it. top of that, it's a lot of what you're going to be doing if you're on a localization team is, is not necessarily that work. It's the tedium of figuring out how to deliver, how to get all the information mm-hmm. and how to deliver all the information yeah, because when technical they look, aspects of this is just, yeah, that's, that's the big thing that we're starting to try to start working on with questions too right now. Is yeah. Like if you're just your translator and somebody sends you a, a text string, like we need this translated and, uh, and the text string is like, wow, I can't believe he said that. That's crazy. And that's, that's mm-hmm. it. Right. Then you're just like, what? Yeah. What, was is this the, what are they talking is this about? The Who's the punchline in a joke? Who's he? You know? Yeah. yeah. Is this sarcastic or is this like surprise? You know, uh, what was said? Uh, they, yeah. Yeah. And so the problem is what what you're translating is just a, a, 
a, a line of text, but there's a huge amount of context. And this is this is uh, something that people have said for a long time of like why natural language processing is so hard for yeah. computers because words just don't mean things. They mean in the absence of in, context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about the stream, right? The whole yeah. stream, and so the whole. Th- that's also why language word. is so uh, redundant, right? Because like. If you, because like there's things that we, we, you know, get really annoyed about with like, you know, English, for example, because it's like, if you say the number of something, why do you also have to change the form of the word after it? So it ends with an S, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, we already said there's some number of it. Why do we also change the, and like, and of course, other languages have even much more wild versions of that word that the word changes form like a million times, right? And it's like, and we, we also have to like put the things in a certain order, even though that's already reinforced by something else and all this other kind of stuff, right? It's, and we have yeah, to have- Meanwhile, you've got, you've got pants that are singular <laughs> right. and plural at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because it's, it's an evolved- system right so like it's it's messy but the but the the mess is this really like highly redundant as sam said a stream of information right because it's the actually it's the low information density of like a word or even a sentence Mm -hmm. right um is what requires all these different mechanisms of like grammatical order and um and things that are that are partially redundant so that something sounds like a plural word and then also has a number in front of it like so that those reinforce each other right like the whole system works together to then convey still pretty poorly right like a single concept or thought or whatever uh and yeah you can't just yank that out of of something and be like okay i've got this word now translate the word freedom you know it's like uh (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> to where and why? Yeah. And why where? Who's saying it? And why are they saying it? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So that's that's uh, always a big challenge. And and you know, if you ever if you ever played a game or something that that had kind of janky uh, translations for things, um, this is why there's a decent chance that 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 jank is actually not the fault of the person doing the translating. <laughs> it's there was some kind of a process problem where oh, the person yeah. doing the translating couldn't get enough information about it. Yeah. Uh, like one of the things we learned uh, was that apparently when they were doing the voice acting for Oblivion, the voice actors were given all of their lines in alphabetical order. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. there may be like Imagine a whole conversation. trying to infer. Yeah, you're just like reading, in effect, random lines, right? Imagine just trying to infer lines. what you're supposed to imply in the in the emotion and tone of the thing as you're, you know, that you wild. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is like it worked well enough that it was fine. But, you know, the, the amount of sort of assumptions that you've got to then make as a voice actor or whatever um, about what things mean is, you know, you're just going to miss sometimes because how could you not? I mean, it's, it's like the difference between, you know, where you, you're using voice to enrich the like immersion of the experience in that context. But that's about as far as it goes versus like if you look at God of War Ragnarok now and these, you know, the, you're filming, they're filming with live actors in these volumes that everyone is there doing things together and that's what makes that's actually what makes the acting possible in a way that's so much better than what you'd usually get from just like people in a recording booth uh, yeah in this well, case because act, acting is reacting right it's yeah. like you you are responding to the things around you when you're acting and of course if you're just getting your lines in alphabetical order you just read it's through the ball in an afternoon like you're not reacting to shit you're yep. just saying stuff you yep. know? So, 
yeah, so it, it's a t- it's a tough problem. I'm sure we'll have more to say about localization stuff as we kind yeah. of like stumble across some of our new specific to Crashlands 2 kinds of problems that'll be kind of interesting to see. Uh, all right, well, that's all the time that we have. You know, Sam's got to get back to his to this, uh, this new baby. I gotta go baby. Baby dude, yeah. yes. Uh, so uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.